Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Kate and I are discussing a webinar put on by the World Horse Welfare Organization. It was uh, put on yesterday, June 1st, and it was about bridle fit and horse anatomy, and it entailed the whole horse. So uh, mainly just the head, but also how different parts of the facial anatomy can affect the sternum as well as the foreleg and movement overall. And you know, so much of the time when Kate and I have talked about bridle fit and horse performance, um, you know, bits are frequently given the blame as well as noseband tightness. And we've even talked about brow band tightness here on the podcast. And, um, you know, there's minimal research in bridle overall bridle parts and anatomy interaction. And I would highly recommend people go to World Horse Welfare website or their YouTube channel and watch this webinar because it was absolutely well done by Dr. Rachel Murray. And uh, Kate, do you remember who the master saddler fitter was? Um, Di was her first name, but I did not write down her last name. And I will double check it. She was on board um, to just kind of second um, different fitting techniques because now that the Master Saddlers um, Association has a bridal fitting course as well, um, she was just explaining that and reiterating how important your bridal fit is not just bit, nose band, and brow band, but cheek pieces, um, everything, and even where buckle placement is. So anyway, it was fascinating. I loved the way they presented the information, and I did learn so much. I think that's the thing is we've done bridal fit a couple of times, whether it's talking about bits or brow bands or nose bands or the whole bridle, as you've said. And it was just, there was still more to learn is what really intrigued me. Um, the two main bits that I kind of took away from it is, I mean, buckle placement, which really surprised me. So when you're actually looking at the horse's head with the bridle on, those cheek piece buckles should be at the level of the eye. They shouldn't be up higher because then they're going to rub on the uh, temple mandibular joint, that jaw bone joint into the head and cause pressure points. So I thought that was really interesting because if you look at your bridle, you're able to tighten that buckle the whole way up to the very top. There's holes for it to close. So if it is large on a small horse, you might have your buckles resting that high. Um, the other one that really stood out to me was to actually take a look at the distance between the facial crest 
and where the corner of the lip and the mouth begins. And they had some great pictures that kind of showed that more clearly why this is an issue. So some horses have a really narrow space there between the corner of their mouth and that facial crest. And sometimes there isn't actually a huge amount of room for the nose band. So we need to be careful about the size of nose bands we're using because we can have thicker ones that are going to take up a lot more space there. And just the positioning of it as well in relation to maybe lifting, tightening those cheek piece buckles to get it to sit appropriately. But you'll see that on, there is a guide. So World Horse Welfare have a guide for bridle fitting. Really straightforward, really practical guide. And you'll see some nice examples of horses where it's a little bit longer between that facial crest. They've got one horse where they have a little green arrow that shows you the amount of space. It's a thoroughbred. And it's such a beautiful space. And then I think it was like a cob style pony that was on the webinar, Nancy. I don't know if you remember. And it was such a narrow space between the corner of the lip. It, it was. And I checked my pony and she has a small area too. And I had never, ever noticed that before. I think I really took away from this big time is the fact the way they did facial mapping, kind of like I would do hoof mapping, they did that with the face. And even the horse that had the asymmetrical face, I mean, you would never know it looking at them, but they took a front picture and then they drew straight lines, probably, you know, using Excel or something. And um, it showed where... He, he was crooked. He was not symmetrical. And, uh, you know, that could cause the bridle to fall to one side, more pressure on one side over the other. So it was really neat. And then I think I had never thought to take the head, um, you know, being perpendicular to the head draw a line from the corners of the mouth up and then assess the front of the face and the back of the head where the cheekbones are. And some horses have a smaller front of the head versus their rear of the head. And I mean, I never thought to look at that before because that determines where your buckles should be placed on your nose band and your brow band. So it was just fascinating the geometry that they brought into this and how to assess your pressure points. I thought that with the facial asymmetry because mm -hmm. the particular horse they used as the example in the photo, and you can see it on the guidelines online, has a stripe ending in a snip. And it's that would throw me off. Like it's a bay horse with a white stripe and because the stripe is asymmetrical I don't think I'd ever have looked at that horse and noticed it's so minute how it's off um I think you have to take that front facing picture and actually just get a ruler out you can easily do a ruler straight down middle of the pole to the middle of the lip across the tops of the eyes and across the base of the ears and just see if those lines are perpendicular or not and this, this really does make sense. It might sound like a second language, but it, if you look at the guide, 
it makes sense that you could take a photo and use a ruler to do it, to try and map it out. Um, because it is another thing was when they're talking about the brow bands and we have mentioned how brow bands can cause a lot of issues. It depends again on the shape of the horse's head. So they've said about using curved brow bands and the headpiece, the piece that sits behind the ears, that should actually be curved in the front. So it's curving away from the ears, preventing pressure points there. And they've mentioned it being curved in at the back as well because the horse's atlas joint sits there. So the atlas and access are the very first two vertebral joints that connect our skull to our um, spine. And I always remember that it's atlas first and axis second because T comes before X in the alphabet, but I'm sure other people have ways of remembering it. But the two wings of that atlas joint are the two bumps. If you rub your hand up the crest of your horse or pony's neck, right up to behind their ears, and you can feel those two bumps either side, those are kind of the wings of that vertebrae. And they are subject to being put under pressure and getting rubbed. And I've actually, after watching this, realized I've seen ponies with that rubbed in that area. Never connected that was an issue. Like it just didn't, it didn't compute in my brain back then that the bridal was causing that. And they said that that's where, when they did the pressure pad research, there was a huge amount of pressure there at the base of the ears. Um, as you know, they would go into their trot at the stance phase, the big amount of pressure was there at the base of the ears. And a lot of times um, that bridle would be go forward and hit the back of the ear. And so many times we might not pick up on that. And that would create a lot of head shaking or horses uh, reacting to that. So I had never heard that before about the wings of Atlas and it being um, in relation to the size of the ears as well. So um, I went last night after we uh, watched this, I did go out and every horse in my barn is different as far as its head anatomy goes. So I thought the um, die made a good point in that she said, you can't use one bridle on every horse, just like you shouldn't use the same saddle on every horse. You have to fit them as individuals. And I thought, now I've got to see what bridles I use on which horse. And, um, you know, maybe ones I shouldn't be using just from their um, head anatomy. Yeah, I thought the pressure point analysis was really interesting because when you mentioned about the trotting, they were saying when they were looking at show jumpers um, in the canter phase, there was more pressure and you can actually see that building up on like a graph. But yep. when they're clearing the jump, obviously the pressure is the least because we're kind of giving them their heads at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And in flight, there was zero pressure. Yeah. And, you know, it's so neat to be able to use these pressure pads now under the nose band and under the brow band that they used to think um, the head stall or the head piece always put pressure at the pole, but they're finding out that's not true, that it depends where your buckles are, 
where that wings of atlas is and um it correlates to your nose band and where the pressure is there. So it's kind of like everything working together. And uh, so much of the time, what have we done in the past? Well, we change, we loosen the nose band or tighten the nose band or change out the bit. And, you know, we're not getting the whole equation by doing that. So they covered a lot of interesting um, items. And I think for me, Kate, the one thing I walked away from is to look at your horse's anatomy and their confirmation and really put it under a microscope and look where your buckles are and try to get the bridle that has a little bit of movement, but too much movement can be just as bad as no movement. Mm-hmm. So it's really a puzzle piece that as an equestrian, you you have to take the time to put it together. You definitely do because another, like in link with that, one of the points that stood out to me as well was if you have too much movement, like you mentioned, Nancy, mm-hmm. you can get ulceration in the corners of the lips. And I mean, People, and surely so many people, will go out and change the bit and buy a new bit and they're still having problems and it very well isn't the bit. It might just be the actual fitting of the bridle is causing the movement so we're getting that ulceration. So the bit could be perfectly fine. We just need to reassess how the bridle's sitting. Yeah, and sometimes too, um, the name of those... um, under the chin bones or anatomical prominences and they're on the lower jaw, we may be tightening nose bands over the top of those. And that creates more pressure uh, on the nose band itself. And that can, you have a lot of nerves running through that area. So I never thought to look at that before. And so a lot of times when you put your fingers there, there's an indentation, there's soft tissue where the tongue would be on top of that or the lower palate. So um, I'm really going to start checking that out because every horse tends to have them in a different position. And another interesting point that something um, you can easily change on your bridal is they did say in that headpiece of the bridle, so the part that goes behind the ears, and then we've got the brow bands at the front. Sometimes those brow band attachments are wide enough that you'll be able to fit um, all your kind of rest of your bridle attachments through them. So it keeps it looking nice and neat. But they've pointed out that if you put the nose band loop through that attachment, it creates more pressure. And they have a picture of a um, dark horse that's actually got gray markings over time from where there was pressure points that obviously caused um, damage and caused the hair to grow back gray then. So just even making that small change, you know, have that nose band loop separate. Don't have it slotted in your um, with your headpiece. And I have mine slotted in. I have to change that. And then also, if you use a fly hood or an ear bonnet, you have to account for that added um, capacity there that you might have to 
put your cheek pieces, you know, a little looser and you have to adjust your whole bridle to accommodate that. And you know what they, um, I heard one person say in comments that they equated that to when you buy a pair of sunglasses and that sunglasses are too tight and they give you a headache, that Mm -hmm. that's what, that's kind of like what the horse is getting in that TMJ joint. So your buckles and then your added like ear bonnets or hoods, we have to remember to account for that. Just don't put the bridle over, check the fit there too. You'll be happy to know that the two finger test still stands for <laughs> the nose band. So <laughs> um, we haven't, or everything hasn't kind of been upped and changed. But just do remember if you're new to horse riding or checking those nosebands, your two fingers flat against the horse's face, either side of the bridge of the nose is where you want to make sure you've got that space. Because I do sometimes see people checking underneath. Um, Now, obviously, if you can fit two fingers either side on the bridge of the nose, you'll fit two fingers underneath. There's no harm in checking the whole way around. But do focus because it's, where we've got that kind of bony edge on either side of um, the top of the nose that we want to really make sure we've got that space. Yeah. And they also said, if you use a bit with a shank, um, the headpiece tends to tilt forward. And this is really exaggerated pressure if the horse has short lips. So, uh, and the bit may have a long shank. So the longer the top section of the bit, um, the more tilt can occur. So you really have to assess even the size of your horse's lips um, in choosing that bit and then the action it has on the headpiece. And then that is pressure on the back of the ears. So it's all related. Um, Download the guide because it is so well done easy to read and I guarantee you'll learn a lot I think um I would second that because if you are doing any training or you're in a stable or anything like that I mean it's as I think it's a 16 page guys but the last page is references so print it off and just have it you know have it sitting around and it's definitely something that if you do have students or you are doing training or you're new to horses having the physical guide is really useful because you've got those picture comparisons and it does talk through the different steps of bridal fitting. Um, What an incredible resource. And Nancy mentioned at the very beginning, but World Horse Welfare do have a YouTube channel. We're going to share their link for it. They have brilliant videos and they do webinars every Wednesday and you can join in via their Facebook page or you can join by Zoom. Um, And if you have the time, you know, to sit down, even if it's only one or two Wednesdays in the year, you will undoubtedly take away something from it. Yeah. And Dr. Murray, um, one of her research papers, and I will put a link to it. Now, there is an uh, free access on this link that I'll put up. What she did was she took um, writers and they were accomplished riders. And so she had them ride in their normal bridles with pressure plates underneath the nose band and um, 
headpiece. And then she recorded the pressure points and then she designed a bridle that she believed would lessen the pressure points. And the paper is called A Bridle Designed to Avoid Peak Pressure Locations Under the Headpiece and Noseband is Associated with More Uniform Pressure and Increased Carpal and Tarsal Flexion Compared with the Horse's Usual Bridle. And it's Dr. Rachel Murray et al. This was just uh, published I believe in 2015. So they did this research um, almost seven years ago now, but it's kind of now becoming to the forefront because Master Saddler Fitter Association has uh, taken on bridle fitting uh, to go along with their saddle fitting courses. So um, it's really interesting and I would highly recommend reading it. If you have a horse that seems to be aversive to a bridle or a bit. Check this guide out, watch the uh, webinar, and I, it, it's really um, may be helpful to you. Definitely. I think that's everything I had for this one, Nancy. Had you anything else to add? Nope, nothing else. Um, the paper is easy to read, so I definitely will put a link to it because I would love to have some of these pressure pads, but it looks to be quite uh, technical to be able to hook them up and you, you know, into, I guess, calibrate them. So yeah. read her research. She's done all the calibrations and everything. And that's all I had, but it's so interesting. I could go on and on about it. Uh, it's, I just, I thought we had read so much but this is the pitfall you get into. I mean, you never yeah. know. You never know enough. You never know everything. But no. I thought, oh, this will be a nice recap of the stuff we've read before. And I was really surprised that, you know, there were aspects of it that were really new to yeah. me and that I hadn't contemplated before. So um, it was such a great, great webinar. And just to update them, we've had um, our survey closed. So thank you very much to everyone who completed the survey, Nancy and I, along with um, our supervisor, are going to work on the research aspect now of all the information you guys gave us. So we are very grateful and stay tuned because at some point next year, hopefully we will have a paper out that is based on you as the listeners, which will be quite cool. Um, the other uh, point of news is that we have a listener who is a doctoral researcher and she got in touch just to say that currently the terms hierarchy and alpha in terms of um, horse herds are very much still appropriate scientific language. So just to reiterate, last week Nancy and I were saying, you know, we had had someone contact us and about the term, using the term alpha. And we said last week, but just to follow up again, it's not appropriate if you're using it as if you're a member of the herd because you aren't, you're a human, they're a horse. Um, but definitely appropriate in terms of actually talking about the herds. Um, and we kind of use the example of matriarch as well, which is the elephant, the equivalent in elephants. Yeah. So um, Nancy's mayor, 
is an alpha still. <laughs> She'll be glad to know. <laughs> maybe wasn't an alpha for 24 hours, but she didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they- that's everything that I had for this week. Yep, me too. Thanks for doing the survey and um, we'll see everybody next week. Take care. Bye-bye.